That is the basis that you have to have your adrenal health good. And after that, you should look at the thyroid and the sex hormones. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like that is the, well, you should always begin when you start talking about hormones. Is your adrenal health, is that good? Welcome to the Seamland podcast. I'm your host, Seamland. And today our guest is Sandra Porten. Sandra is a physician and a clinical nutritionist from Finland. She works with patients in hospitals and private clinics. Sandra also works with the Biohacker Center and they have made the Biohacking for Women online course. In this episode, we talk about the differences between men and women when it comes to health and diet. This episode is brought to you by BioOptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. Almost every person is deficient in magnesium because it's being depleted by stress. And on top of that, our foods are also much lower in magnesium because of soil depletion. BioOptimizer's has an amazing full-spectrum magnesium supplement called Magnesium Breakthrough. It includes seven of the most important magnesium types. Check out Magnesium Breakthrough at magbreakthrough.com and use the code SCENE10 for a 10% discount. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, uh, like you've uh, been starting to work with the Biohacker Center and doing some um, like courses with them. So how did you get involved into you know, becoming like a health practitioner as well as, you know, starting to uh, optimize your health with it? Mm, you mean starting to anyhow getting interested in this or specifically with biohacking? Yeah, like just how did you, uh, you know, went down the path of you know medicine and health yeah well i have my own health journey which kind of led to the let the interest i was first um actually introduced to yoga and breath work and discovered that way that i can actually affect my like how do i feel very quickly i could change the state of my body and how how i was like feeling and then that interest went to nutrition and then I first started to become a clinical nutritionist and work in a hospital environment uh, trying to help people with their diets and health issues and sometimes felt that I didn't have enough tools to just to do that and then discovered functional medicine started to look for functional medicine doctors and someone to work with. And about that time, there was not that many in Finland. So then I just decided to become one myself. <laughs> yeah, that's a, like a lot of people do, like if they are in need of some sort of help or uh, some guidance, then, um, and especially if there's not people talking about it, then yeah, they're forced to kind of do it themselves. Uh, or yeah. at least, at least uh, that's what I've, what I've seen. Yeah, I had lots of resistance. It was not like a dream thing, but then just all turned out well, eventually. Yeah, and uh, how did you uh, like started to work with the Biohacker Center? Well, I had a, lots of interest. I had been following Oli Soviary for a while, of course, because he was one of the functional medicine or kind of holistic medicine doctors in Finland. And I'd actually spoke to him when I was thinking about this, whether I should go to med school, what should I do? And yeah, following them, actually, I think I was in their first biohacking summit and getting to know them and then just suddenly started to speak about this um, idea that we should also have some tools for women and we should also encourage women because I find women are natural biohackers since they already had 
have a pretty good sense of their bodies. So yeah, I think it was, we were, we were in this um, optimized day retreat and it was after sauna when Oli was saying like, hey, you should talk to Inka like about this woman thing. Like she's already doing something with that. So then I contacted Inka and then we started walking on the course. Yeah, like um, I would imagine that like by default, uh, women tend to be more, uh, let's say, in tune with their bodies or they pay, pay more attention to these uh, type of things and signals that the body is giving them. So, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, like there's also like some, um, let's say, differences that women have to take into account uh, when it comes to just uh, their own physiology and, uh, you know, health. Uh, so it's not like that all humans are the same. So I said that there is difference between individuals, but there's also pretty big differences between uh, the sexes, uh, like men and women. Yeah, definitely. I find that women, they kind of need to learn that early on. I, and I do think that it's also due to menstrual cycles, since that also gives you an extra, you can see it as a benefit or a, or a challenge, because there is a huge difference with your hormones throughout the month. So you kind of have to learn to, you have to learn ways to manage that and, and still be kind of productive because that's what our society kind of expects that we have to be as productive and as, as functional all the time. So I think that has definitely affected women and made them more, more like, yeah, interested also in how can they affect their health and being mm -hmm. uh, so what are some of like maybe the biggest differences uh, between uh, men and women that um, let's say people should be aware of mm, oh my gosh there's so many um if we be, pick one topic uh, or if we start with nutrition for for example um i don't know whether it's a actually a huge difference but it's more like a thing that women often neglect or forget that women also need quite a lot of nutrition and maybe that comes from our culture too that it's the very typical scene if you look at the movies that the man takes the steak and the woman takes the salad <laughs> kind of situation <laughs> and um, and it could be the other way around actually if you think how much what kind of needs the woman body has for, for making hormones, for, for fertility, energy, all that. So um, I think that is, that is a one thing where many women tend to like default to thinking that, oh, I don't need that much calories or energy or nutrition. I can go with less. And I always this idea I should be dieting and losing weight. Mm. Right. Well, like, yeah, there's, yeah, although like the people tend to have this uh, preconceived notion about uh, that women uh, are, you know, supposed to be very skinny and uh, eat only salads and those things, but there is like definitely some difference still between like the calorie requirements uh, between uh, men and women. So like, you know, the more body mass you have, uh, then the more calories you also need and uh, men, yeah. men tend to be just bigger and have more mass and um, yeah. Like, oh, definitely, like, definitely. Yeah. With calorie wise and, and like how much muscle mass you have, of course, women do, do like need less, but I think it's not that big of a difference that what we often assume. And then with like specific nutrients like fats or even iron or mm, micronutrients like that, there are like 
differences definitely since since of the menstrual cycle and the flow we tend to lose iron so of course it's good to take in account that you actually need to uh, make sure that you have enough of, of iron or folate or b12 all these really important nutrients that women often have really well i i often measure them so this is why i see it a, a lot that women have really low iron iron like uh, at least in finland mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's true it tends to happen and uh like yeah for men, men there's not like a way to um, excrete iron other than through bleeding or um, donating blood so uh, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's why men tend to also have higher levels of iron because uh they don't have menstruation, menstruation cycles and uh, they don't usually a lot of people don't you know donate blood on a regular basis or they don't bleed true yeah and yeah that's the difference too that men giving iron to men is usually very harmful because that can cause inflammation or or other issues so yeah that's a definite difference mm -hmm. um Speaking of like nutrition, um, what you know, there's different types of uh, let's say popular diets out there, like vegan diets, uh, keto diets, carnivore diets, uh, paleo diets. Uh, so, uh, like, yeah, like, what would like, how would uh, like, let's say, women respond uh, to these types of diets? Um, like, have you have you seen any like uh, some characteristics or some commonalities uh, between them? Mm. In general, when people come to me with nutrition, there's so much we have to do just in order to get enough fresh products, just like vegetables, berries, getting the right fats in. That is a really rare case that we actually go into different kind of extreme diets. But of course with biohackers, it's been now more that I've been seeing patients or, or clients that really wanna try these more extreme ways of um, thinking of macronutrients or fasting or, or other ways, but yeah. Um, how was the question again? <laughs> so, yeah, like, like, you know, the, like, what do you think about women doing like a vegan diet or a keto diet or like a carnivore diet? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I also, I've been working here in a clinic where we measure like all the vitamins, all the antioxidants, and there you can actually see what kind of people have, what kind of blood work. And it's interesting that you rarely get a really good blood work. But one of the highest ones are these super dedicated vegans, which is weird, but that means that they are super dedicated. This is, they are like sprouting, they are doing like oral sorts of things that they actually are absorbing the nutrients. Because that is difficult if you're in a vegan diet. Hmm. So, you're seeing, um, so you're seeing the more that... Uh like omnivores tend to be more deficient in some of the nutrients than uh, vegans do. Well, this is like, a, I've seen maybe 10 vegans, so you can't make a okay. <laughs> good assumption with that, but like something that just crossed my mind. And of course that becomes also because there are a lot of, uh, we are measuring a lot of antioxidants. And of course, if you eat lots of vegetables, if you choose a lot, that just gives you a benefit. And then we're thinking of, the basic carnivore person who is basically eating bread and butter and cheese and like all these like really not so nutritious foods they don't have such a good blood work but then again you can you can do well i think in both diets if you just pay attention 
yeah. but the people that do pay attention they are these extreme people who do <laughs> something super well like veganism or keto or paleo they really put effort on it and that's why they get better better results mm. yeah yeah i i think i agree and that yeah like if you already have gone on to like a vegan diet then you are already more health conscious and you are paying more attention to it so you are deliberately trying to make sure that you do get all of your nutrients and you're yeah like sprouting and you're not yeah like um, leaving any stones unturned and whereas like other like an omnivore who just doesn't care about their health and they're already maybe eating junk junk food and they're already not uh paying attention to making sure that they eat like um, the specific nutrients that they need uh so yeah because yeah. you don't have to justify that to anyone if you're vegan you always have to explain yourself but if you're just a basic regular person you just eat whatever and no one asks you any questions mm. yeah uh but like theoretically um what, what would be some of the nutrients that um yeah that's like a like a woman should pay more attention to uh like on any diet like what are some of the key nutrients vitamins and minerals mm, yeah what i mentioned was the iron uh b vitamins b12 folate iodine magnesium super important iodine is super low i think in every single client that i've seen mm. and often we choose to supplement that because it's so hard to find in in finished foods mm -hmm. um and then yeah the antioxidants are really low even though many people that come in are pretty health conscious just basic um, lycopene, which we find in tomatoes or um, what else I was thinking? What, what is the beta carotene? Carotene. Yeah. Yeah, even that is so low, even though we have carrots like <laughs> regularly. So I don't know why is it so, but yeah, many of the antioxidants are low. And then, of course, with age, you can see. Um, uh, is uh, keen on like Q10. Mm -hmm. We also measure that. That is quite low too, often. Right. Which yeah. is not surprise because that's something you can get from organ meats, and that is also quite rare nowadays. Even though it will be relatively cheap mm. to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and a, super nutritious. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like uh, organ meats are you know packed with all the nutrients that you essentially need, and. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like they're not really like they are like traditional foods, especially like in Eastern Europe and uh, Finland and Estonia. So it's like a very traditional uh, way of eating, where we're having like these liver sausages and uh, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. like, but traditionally, like the pro you know kind of industrialized food system has moved away from these uh, types of foods. And uh, like also like iodine, you can, you can get like definitely iodine in from like what the biggest sources of iodine are uh, you know seafood, uh, fish. Uh, mm -hmm. like clams, oysters, as well as like seaweeds, uh, different types of kelps and uh, that sort of thing. You can get all the iodine that you need from that, but uh, like no one eats them. <laughs> no one really consumes those things. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but maybe it's a becoming more of a trend. I feel like at least with organ meats, it's now rising a bit. People are trying out at least liver or something like more familiar, getting to know them again, getting to accustom using them. Yeah in their diet so yeah maybe yeah. it's going to change yeah and uh yeah like w women need more iodine especially during when they're uh, pregnant uh, or if they're uh, you know uh, breastfeeding so they 
iodine has a pretty important role in the development of the child, like both physical and mental. So like low iodine and iodine deficiency has been seen to be associated with like cretinism and uh, mental disorders and uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, you definitely do need to like increase your iodine intake if you are uh, yeah, like pregnant. Definitely. And that's what you also see with uh, Finns. I don't know what's the situation in Estonia, but um, thyroid dysfunction is very common in Finland, especially amongst women. And when you think about thyroid medication, uh, thyroxine, for example, every single um, capsule has four iodines in it. Mm -hmm. So it also works as an iodine supplement as well as a hormone. So you really don't know which one is working better but yeah it's interesting yeah. when you think about it yeah 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 and like, often during the pregnancy you need to uh double or at least somehow change your thyroid medication if you are suffering right. some kind of thyroid disease yeah like a lot of the 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 drugs uh different um like diuretics or um anti-inflammatory drugs and um, you know even like antibiotics they inhibit the uh, absorption of iodine and uptake of uh, the thyroid hormones as well so yeah like a yeah. different different kind of drugs and you know the medic, medic, medical system uh, the pharma pharmaceuticals they they are also like one of the cause of let's say this uh, nutrient deficiencies that people experience like you can you can even eat like all the iodine that you need from the diet mm -hmm. in, on paper but in reality like you end up absorbing only like a fraction of it because of you're on medications as well as like you're you know having some malabsorption uh, conditions like um, irritable bowel syndrome or leaky gut and those things so it's never only that the food that you eat is also like what you end up absorbing yeah and that's when you can talk about the uh, pill which is major has a major effect on how we absorb certain nutrients for example magnesium mm -hmm. so yeah definitely medication also plays a role and yeah women are often taking the pill for a quite long time in their life and might be affected by that. And if they don't know, and if they don't supplement or take in consideration, they might suffer some kind of depletion. Nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's something that I've also heard a lot about recently that uh, the pill is birth pill is a very uh, not a good thing for women's health and it does uh, cause some issues. So like, maybe can you elaborate like, what are some of the problems that, uh, pill may have on women's health yeah it's a it's a hot topic you don't want to like say too much negative about it because also it has its benefits and many women find it really useful and liberating in a sense that they feel like it's the only thing that they trust right. when it comes to birth control but what i would consider is like doing the research and making sure that you're not compromising your health with that and also like just um, paying attention like how were you feeling before the pill and then after the pill like that you actually take a note note that how do, how does it really affect you because it also might have side effects with your mental health or your mood so these these are really like yeah these like small, uh, small you know, things Yes, small things and small differences, and they might backfire when you just decide to come off the pill, which I see often that um, some of my clients that they come to me saying that they want to work with their fertility, can we do a hormone test, and then we decide to do one and they just quit the pill 
and their hormones are really not balanced. And then I asked what was the situation before they started the pill. And the situation was really bad and they, they took the pill in order to regulate the hormones. And the problem never went away. They were just masking the symptoms with the pill and then they come off expecting to get pregnant right away but they still have to deal with all the things that they were now masking for years with the pill. Mm. So uh, it's, it's just something that I wish we had more, um, we would give more information to women that how it actually works, that, that it actually inhibits our ovaries and our brain like communication and, and this all can affect how you feel and that you shouldn't blame yourself if you're not doing good with the pill, then maybe you need to try something else. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Is there like a, any like a long-term effects on, let's say, fertility or uh, hormones? I haven't checked the research on like um, long-term effects, but I, I've seen some uh, documents that affects like how quickly you can get pregnant after okay. getting off right. the pill, like versus that you would just start trying to make a baby without having the history of taking the hormonal. Okay. So there's like a short, like a short term, let's say like a jet lag or <laughs> that. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like your ovaries have not been working. You have not been ovulating maybe for years, some people for 10 years. And then you expect that your ovulation is going to start like in month or six months. And it takes time for the body to get back on track. Mm -hmm. But yeah. usually it is, it is miraculous how you can actually then return and rebalance the system just by supporting the system with just basic giving the fats, making sure that whether if there's estrogen, estrogen dominance, maybe clearing that out and then pretty quickly the body is is amazing and it can come back so there's always hope you shouldn't think that oh my god now i'm doomed i've been taking the pill i should like just forget my dreams about making babies but like it's not that tra tragic but then again just knowing all these things and being informed and making informed decisions when it comes to your health i think that is so important yeah, yeah absolutely so it's all about like the information and uh, being aware of the kind of uh risk to benefit ratios like everything has like some you know shortcomings and downfalls uh you mm -hmm. just have to be aware of the risks and uh, then make your educated i guess about anything like like whether like some sort of a diet or supplement uh, or some other yeah. routine yeah definitely yeah yeah what what if uh, someone is trying trying to get actually better pregnant uh, so what like what is maybe some things that help with that well of course first we go through the basic things like are you drinking? Are you smoking? Are you exercising? What is your health routines in general? Are you sleeping? Are you relaxing? Are you super stressed? What is your relationship like? Like the basic things you have to have in order. And then you go into the nutrition. Are you getting all the fats? Are you getting all the protein? Are you getting all the nutrients you need to make a baby? Are you taking folate? Maybe that's a good idea. And then if nothing still happens, then I would check the hormones, like really check them with the blood work. How are you balanced with your cycle? Are you ovulating? When are you ovulating? Because that, that is also like a, a 
kind of common thing that women think that it's always the day 14 or 15 and that's when it happens and it's not the case some women ovulate on a different day and then if you don't know that you might miss the date and well nothing can happen of course so then i would check the hormones and then then if that's all good then you have to also make sure that the partner is with you and that everything is good with that so mm-hmm. so it's a it's a I think both are equally important. We always tend to focus on the woman and the woman's diet and the woman's like health, but it's actually really important that the man is also taking care of his health and uh, his nutrition and exercise and and yeah, all the same things basically. Mm, yeah, for sure. Like uh, I would imagine, like um, that men have uh, similar problems in terms of uh, fertility or something. And like the kind of uh, follows the same uh, like narrative that hypothyroidism and uh, nutrient deficiencies and uh, chronic stress and those things they also have mm-hmm. a negative effect on the fertility of uh, men as well. So like you know oh, hypo- low, yeah. low like low zinc uh, is you know directly yeah. co- you know, connected to like your sperm quality and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, zinc is pretty miraculous. I feel like men do get it a bit easier. I feel like. With men, you can only start the sink and everything is perfect. And then women have to do like tons, tons of things. But yeah, that is that is maybe a difference there. Yeah, like, yeah, zinc tends to be uh, you know easily fixed if you add like some um, like clams or oysters or mm-hmm. some sea- more more like seafood uh, type of yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned the estrogen, so um, that is like the predom- like dominant uh, female hormone. So mm. uh, wh- you know what what is considered you know too much estrogen or estrogen dominance, and what kind of uh, effects does it have? Yeah, estrogen is the hormone that is basically make makes the woman in a way that it is giving the curves. It's like when we have less of estrogen, we often feel more um, vibrant. And lively so it's a good hormone but when, when it's not balanced with progesterone so it can be like relatively high that it's just like too high or then it can be that the balance is wrong with progesterone and estrogen and in both cases you want to make sure that you're clearing out the excess estrogen so you have to make sure your gut is functioning that your bowels are moving that's the basic start and then um, often you want to add on some crucifix vegetables that you're actually detoxing it well maybe Mm -hmm. some flaxseed can be helpful to getting the excess estrogen out Um, there are also many supplements and herbs you can try but i find usually that the diet and just the detoxification like supporting liver is the key Yeah, yeah, for sure, and uh, especially like slightly raw, like these vegetables, like raw carrots, uh, especially yeah. have, been sho- have been shown to uh, eliminate the estrogen, and uh, yeah, like the, the sulforaphane and like dim in uh, cruciferous vegetables is the particular. Oh, yeah, that's the next one. But it's a pretty strong, like dim. I have found like a couple of times now that it's super strong. That it somehow you don't want to use it for a very long time. Because I just had a client that we were using them for over a month, and then the estrogen went too low, and I was kind of surprised that oops, this can happen. Mm-hmm. So you have to be care- careful whenever you use supplements that they are actually like strong medicine. 
So that's, that's why I'm trying to be more gentle and use food more. And if I can get results with that, I'm super happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like you shouldn't take something uh, if it doesn't have like a particular goal or a reason that you, that you should take it. Yeah. 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 And different people are, they have different sensitivities. Some people need a lot of tools and a lot of support and some need just a couple of things and everything comes back to normal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, obesity like ob being being overweight and uh, insulin resistant uh, oh, yeah. that also um, creates estrogen dominance. Definitely, yeah, because that's where we create in the fat cells. We create lots of estrogen. Also, men do so. Yeah, that's that's yeah. for both both women and men. Yeah, like like men also can become estrogen dominant, and that can cause you know like um, you know bad 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 effects. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um. What, what you mentioned that uh, progesterone um so uh what kind of role does that have uh, progesterone is our calming calming hormone which is uh often forgotten that it has this really good effect that it can calm our nervous system it can make us feel really safe and secure and good in our skin and that's really predominant in our luteal phase um it, it, of course, like balances the estrogen, but it has its own effects too. Of course, if you are looking for getting pregnant, that is the hormone that actually attaches the, uh, the, the what is this? Um, it's not yet a baby, but a <laughs> fetus. Fetus, or what is the thing? Like, yeah, yeah, this <laughs> um, into the uterus. So if you don't have enough progesterone, you don't get this thick lining that actually attaches the thing into the uterus. So it's super, super important when you're thinking of becoming pregnant. And also with your nervous system, because you want to be calm and safe and feel good. So mm -hmm. definitely, yeah, something you have to uh, know and also feel that I feel women often, like I can hear when they explain how they're feeling, I can often like already, without measuring the hormones, I can know like, okay, this woman definitely would benefit from like having a bit more progesterone. Mm -hmm. Right. And how do you like increase this? Is it some in some foods or uh, how? Uh, depending on what's the uh, situation, because often it is the imbalance between the hormones. So there's too much estrogen. So then we just lower the estrogen. But also with progesterone, you can support it with nutrients and you can support it with herbs. So you can use also supplementation, but often just making sure that they are balanced is enough. Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that, that is not that often in, in, yeah, some hormonal medication also have progesterone, but often it's always estrogen that we're supplementing or using as a drug. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, like stress or cortisol uh, also lowers or progesterone oh, yeah. it's called like the pro progesterone steel that the cortisol kind of steals it away from <laughs> from the body and that that's where you that's get true. that's that's can cause like you know problems with fertility and you know thyroid functioning that is so true yeah because i feel like that that is the basis that you have to have your adrenal health good and after that you should look at the thyroid and the sex hormones like yeah you're absolutely right like that is the well, you should always begin when you start talking about hormones. Is your adrenal health, is that good? 
yeah yeah and stress uh, i would imagine also is uh, pretty important in just you know hormones oh definitely and that's what you see a lot like women stress so much about things <laughs> <laughs> well i think all people in general stress too much but i think women often take too much responsibility on many matters and and yeah, during the years when you want to have babies, you always tend to also want to have a good career and a beautiful, perfect home and everything has to be clean and like all these kind of tasks that pile up and then you just get sort of stressed and overwhelmed. Mm, right. And yeah, like, you know, I th like I have some theory that, you know, because men have like, you know, 500 times more testosterone than women, then mm. that, that can also be part of the reason why maybe men let's say, are kind of supposed to be able to tolerate stress a lot more because they, you know, testosterone is a steroid hormone, uh, including some others like DHEA and others. Uh, so, you know, men have more of these steroid hormones and these mm. steroid, steroid hormones are supposed to like counteract the effects of cortisol. And uh, yeah. that's why, like, I think, or at least like I see that, you know, women are also, you know, more vulnerable to overtraining or like to fasting and, um, these uh, stressors, whereas men are able to, let's say, they, 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 they can definitely experience also like, you know, overtraining and uh, hormonal yeah. functioning because of this too much stress, but the, the kind of the threshold for men tends to be slightly higher, at least, and that may be because of the uh, testosterone and the steroid hormones. That's an excellent theory. Yeah, because you know, that will make sense. Because definitely, I feel the same way that men, of course, do tolerate stress better, and they actually look for stressful things more than women do yeah so that would also yeah make sense if they had a system that would then allow them to come back from the stress better yeah it's well it's like evolutionary also um, a viable theory that you know men usually are the ones who go into like the forest and uh you know fight yeah. fight uh bulls or <laughs> chase uh, prey so that sort of thing <laughs> and the women are supposed yeah. to be you know more uh the caregiving uh side yeah yeah definitely just, just the hormonal makeup of how our bodies have been functioning of course there are like differences but uh that's how like you know the, by default <laughs> we were supposed yeah. to be yeah definitely um and are there like any let's say ways to uh, mitigate stress uh, that you are in particularly let's say uh, fond of oh, well personally yes of course i have my own, own ways to <laughs> manage stress and and recover and yeah i would i would definitely choose if i would have to choose just a couple it would be meditation being in nature doing breath work and some kind of really gentle exercise where you just move your body in a in a relaxed way more than just like doing really intense workouts um and often that is the case with women that i work with too that they are more attracted to these more gentle ways of of relaxing but then there are these really like surprising ways also like this one woman was super keen on ironing like that was her <laughs> go-to relaxation and i couldn't think anything more like stressful than ironing <laughs> so you have to make your own like routines how do you recover like is that a bath is, is it a book is it ironing whatever it is just like choose the one that works for you mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That I would also consider ironing pretty pretty uh, dull or <laughs> pretty pretty boring. <laughs> but maybe that's that's part of the good thing that you, yeah. you, you are doing something very uh, 
you know monotonous or uh, not not stimulating then uh, that can be just mm. allowing your body to recover true yeah meditative yeah um what about like exercise you know exercise is a you know small stressor but it definitely is a very essential as well for just health mm -hmm. yeah yeah in in general i think the amount is the key choosing the right amount of exercise because you can do really intense workouts whether you're a man or a woman it really you're not excluded as a woman of any kind of training like you can do strength training you can do endurance you can do everything but it's the amount and the sensitivity i find that it's is the difference i feel like men can push themselves a bit more they can go over the limit and still recover pretty easily but when men when women tend to do that for um longer period of time we can see differences in like the cortisol is kind of start rising we can experience more fatigue maybe also see it in the iron levels the recovery is not as good so yeah more i would be more careful with the amount of training and not that much worried about what kind of training you do like do what you love but just be sure that you're not doing too much right yeah well yeah definitely any exercise is better than uh, nothing uh but yeah so some exercises tend to be more stressful than others and you kind of then have to just take that into account so like if you're doing like this crazy um spin classes or high intensity interval training uh, all the time which i which I, like unfortunately i see like women tend to gravitate more towards this uh, yeah hit hit cardio and uh that's a yeah. tabata type of training uh and then that yeah. can be definitely more stressful uh, than something like uh, you know weights or resistance training that you know like bodybuilding or that sort of thing like although yeah. like the weights are like you know the intensity period is great the, the intensity is higher during the particular like a workout session but mm -hmm. it's it's relatively short and it's not uh, lasting you go like all the time and you do your body yeah. tends to uh, bounce back from it um, faster so to say so in my opinion like actually women would be better off by doing more like this uh, resistance training and weights um, as opposed to this uh, chronic cardio because there's a, like this misconception mm -hmm. as well that you know weights are going to make you look like a bodybuilder or like very bulky and women don't want that but actually the opposite yeah. is true that you're not you're like you know like i said women have like 500 times less testosterone than men and they're not yeah. going to be able to look like a bodybuilder anyway unless they take like some additional steroids so <laughs> so that's why that's why yeah. there's this misconception about that uh, when, when, when women like lift weights they actually get like the curves that they want you're not going to get the curves if you're doing just cardio <laughs> that is so true and and yeah there's definitely some truth to that and i also would combine this type of a woman that goes to these uh, cardio classes or does a lot of running or spinning or whatever uh, they also do often count their calories and i think that's the most harmful combination that you do excessive amount of cardio and then you also cut back with your calories or you're somehow very interested in that or that is causing you stress and you think about it right. and i think that's the really bad cycle where you get really really like poor health in long term mm. yeah it's like you 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 know focus only on the calories in order to like lose weight and uh, get a better yeah. body composition and you know the cardio does burn more calories during the session so that's where you just look at the numbers that you're burning more calories mm -hmm. if you're doing this cardio but like the, mm -hmm. the difference between weights and cardio is that uh, the cardio burn lasts only when you are doing actually the cardio and mm -hmm. when you stop doing the cardio then your 
you're not burning any calories uh, at all and uh, yeah. your, your body gonna eventually gets used to it so you start to burn fewer calories or you're it's gonna have less of a effect in terms of increasing your metabolic rate whereas with weights you uh, burn less calories during the workout but there are kind of uh, stimulus that your body receives is that's going to build muscle and uh, mm -hmm. increase your metabolic rate by that so the more muscle mass you have more lean lean body mass you have then the higher metabolic rate you also have and uh, then your body burns more calories without you doing actual like workouts so your body will burn more calories just by resting because of having more muscle mass and uh, strength yeah. so uh, it's a kind of uh, just you know i think it's just a matter of um, like the result of like poor marketing or like a, not like poor marketing but just a, like a misconception about uh, like what is weight training and uh, how does it affect the body and like body composition especially for women yeah definitely and i find that women don't even realize this often when i explain this to them that muscle you can think of muscle and muscles as also as an organ they also act as hormonal yeah. uh, like organs like they really affect our well-being in so many levels not only our, like how our energies energy levels are but also like how we are stable with our blood sugars like all that comes down that we have enough muscle mass yeah. and it's not something women often even think about unless when they're becoming a bit older and they notice that they're losing all the mu muscle mass and they're like losing yeah. losing the body posture and everything then they start to think about this like oops i should have like done some some like training beforehand yeah or with bone density even yeah yeah absolutely like a lot of the problems that we've talked about can be fixed or like this like improved upon with uh in increasing your muscle mass or you know doing this resistance training because you can improve your insulin sensitivity you can lose yeah. uh, you can lose excess body fat uh you can balance your hormones like lower cortisol uh, yeah. and uh yeah like you prevent osteoporosis yeah yeah absolutely so yeah yeah, definitely. That's something to recommend. But yeah, you have to also make do something like with exercise. It always has to be fun. You have to find something you like. You can't just say like, this is the only good thing for women. You have to actually love it too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, yeah, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. Like you, you, you can get away with only like even once a week uh, with True. weights. It's like the minimal probably that you could get away with. Um, but if you want to see like better results then like two or three times a week is uh, probably better yeah yeah true uh, and um what about like uh fasting that's also something uh similar to like a stressor mm. yeah this is a hard topic because often people that come to me they are already sick like they have something going on with their system so fasting is of course very good if you have some kind of bowel issue going on if you have like inflammatory bowel disease you might get some relief with that but then again if you have some hormonal issues some stress issues fasting can be a really bad idea so it comes down to watch your situation mm -hmm. and also i do emphasize a lot on the, like the basis like what fasting act actually it often means for a person it's more like a spiritual thing rather than just like a, i'm just like optimizing my health and and doing something extreme for many people find that they have more clarity in their thoughts even if it's just intermediate fasting if it's just the mid-morning time they want to take it to themselves they want to focus on something writing or something creative it can be really like mentally also a pretty big deal so 
yeah that's very very individual when i would recommend fasting and always making sure that their health is pretty good before putting on an extra stressor on the body yeah yeah for sure what are, what are your thoughts on that no i i, I agree that uh, yeah like if uh, fasting becomes like an additional stressor then it can cause more harm than good and mm -hmm. uh, like you need to inherently fast to uh, like improve your health or see better results in terms of uh, your body composition it is just like another tool uh, that you should uh, use uh, whenever it's uh, like appropriate and uh, like it's not it's not something uh, miraculous or uh, although it can be for some people or for some situations mm -hmm. it's not um, suitable for some people uh, like for especially like in terms of if they're like severely hypothyroid uh, for a long period of time or they're yeah, like stressed out then for them uh, in my opinion it would be better to like you can still do some form of this time-restricted eating that you maybe don't have snacks or you don't have uh, food uh, right before bed or something that you mm -hmm. still confine it in some way like maybe do like a 10 hour or 12 hour eating window or something you can still get some of the circadian rhythm benefits from that um yeah definitely. So, so you don't I need mean, to that, <laughs> yeah that is something i do actually when you were saying the 10 to 12 hour that is something i do recommend to every each patient because they often have something going on with their guts or their hormones or with their weight and that has been found to be really effective in long-term studies that if you can if you can eat all your foods in 12 hours or 10, 10 hours, it's pretty easy to maintain uh, like a normal body weight. Right. So it's really hard to gain a lot of weight if you have that window. And also what I've seen with people that have gut symptoms, having this 12 hour fasting window allows the gut to recover. Even though there was just like mild symptoms, it somehow just gives the benefits even it's such a short time in long term. So yeah, that's, that's definitely something to at least try. Yeah, yeah. It's, and like the circadian rhythms themselves um, are, let's say, you know, y y y like everyone would benefit from kind of aligning themselves with the circadian rhythms uh, as much as possible. Mm -hmm. sort of, so like that's, that's how our bodies, you know, kind of geared to work that uh, we are, you know, connected to the diurnal rhythms of the day and night cycles. And uh, therefore, yeah. you know, being aligned with them is also just uh, going to help us or it's going to make it easier at least to stay healthy. Whereas if we're just, you know, trying to pick catch up, uh, then uh, it's in, in a way we're going to make it slightly harder. Although like you can still stay healthy if your <laughs> rhythms are misaligned, but it's just the uh, research shows that it's uh, just increases some risk of some diseases and uh, can be, harder to like uh, stay healthy yeah definitely yeah and uh, like do women have like any particular like uh, differences uh, in their circadian rhythms uh, between from from men um actually inka would be better to answer this because she has digged into deep into the sleep part um so maybe maybe i'll leave this question to, to hanging because i i don't want to say something that she would definitely disagree i have my own opinion but i haven't studied that so much okay well yeah like i th I, th I think uh, the hormonal profile tends to be uh the, the hormonal fluctuations tend to be similar to men that cortisol still rises in the morning uh, oh yeah yeah and uh, like melatonin you know start rising in the evening and like you know usually uh, like testosterone does peak also in the first part of the morning like uh, like 9 a.m so mm -hmm. i'm not like that's probably the true uh, for women as well that the sex hormones uh, peak at uh, this 9 9 a.m time 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those those are pretty similar, of course, to to women as well as men. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking more like cyclically during the month, what kind mm-hmm. of differences there are. I think women do need a bit more sleep in the luteal phase, but I can't remember the exact differences. Okay. But yeah, this kind of like daily pattern is the same that yes, we have the cortisol rising in the morning and, and melatonin, then hopefully rising in the evening if we don't have any interruptions with yeah. light or stress or some other thing. Gotcha. Uh, but what about sleep in general? Um, like what are, what are your like top tips for sleeping better? Um, well, the light I already mentioned, that is the big one. I think it's a hard one because many people are so addicted to their phones and all the gadgets and television and documentaries whatever you watch so it's so hard to somehow put that aside in the evening when you would have the perfect time to actually do that but uh, of course you can try to using like blocking the light with glasses or using some kind of protection on the screen so the light is a big one Mm. also I find uh just the fact that you're relaxing and recovering in a way that we don't have many of rituals anymore in our daily lives. But when I've been working for with women so long, I, I find that rituals are really important, especially if you are working in a male dominant environment and you come home and you don't have any ritual how to get back into your more like feminine essence you might be still on that like go, go, go system when you start cooking dinner and making sure your kids are going to bed and you're still like focusing on doing and getting things done and you're never really relaxing. And that can really interrupt your sleep as well. And that's something I often like work with, like how we can we find some kind of ritual? Can you take a bath? Can you go for a walk? Can you do something? Can you dance? Can you sing? Something like more like feminine during that time that you just come off of that like go 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 mentality hmm. yeah yeah because like the in this you know online society we have the work is coming to our home with us <laughs> once we leave, once mm. once people leave work and uh, yeah, there's like less boundaries uh, between these things and uh, like oh, there's also these additional uh, stressors in our uh, like emotional environment like you know social media okay. and news and uh, yeah some other things yeah definitely during these times i find many people are are stressed even they're at home if they open the television it's often bad news <laughs> right um yeah well, maybe uh, let's start talking about the like bi- biomarkers uh, that um, women should maybe pay more attention to you mean any blood work or some specific like uh, yeah, like like yeah, some of the speci- the ones that you usually do, like you do did say that you take like the whole uh, panel, but uh, maybe like some of the highlights or the most important ones. Oh, this is so tricky because I would have to know what is their issue. Like if they come with come with like gut issue, um, of course I might might check their like basic nutritional status, basic blood work what is it like but then of course i would go to the gut and check whether the gut gut microbiome is good whether there's inflammation in the gut whether there's um 
some issue with the um, uh, pancreas or like I just would want to make sure that you're actually breaking down your nutrients right. and you're absorbing your nutrients and you have a good microbiome. So depending on what your issue, and I often start with the gut, I have to say, because I don't know whether it is a common case or it is just me that people that have gut issues come to me, but often there's always something going on with the gut. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, gut, gut, gut issues are very uh widespread <laughs> almost like almost everyone uh, has you know some some might even if it's like some minor inconvenience or something they tend to have or like you, you don't even necessarily have to uh know about this uh or you mm -hmm. don't have to feel it <laughs> that your gut is off or like there's some in inflammation there or something uh and the, the yeah. you know you don't necessarily yeah notice um without actually testing for it uh, whether something is good or not yeah, people get used to different kind of issues and it has become like something that just grew gradually. It wasn't something that you got this really crazy parasite infection and then you've had diarrhea ever since, but it's been something much minor that you've developed throughout the years. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. right. so uh, that, that uh, is something I often if the if it's like a complicated health issue and i don't know where to start then i always know that okay i'm gonna first fix the gut <laughs> then you've already like cleared out over half of the issues because after the gut is good usually the liver is functioning functioning better the detoxification is better and all that is like yeah easier to then go about but like other markers, like, yeah, of course, if there's hormonal issues, I would check the adrenals. That's a, what you said already, like, how is your cortisol going? Because there should be a pattern, like, throughout the day. You should see it rising in the morning and then going lower in the evening. And if that's not working, then usually nothing else is working. Right. And if there's specific problems with fertility or hormonal issues, um, endometriosis or some other thing that you really like suffer then of course checking the sex hormones but it always goes like you have to be so personalized there is no like one way to like say some kind of like thing that this is good for everyone like you have to always be really like individual with the approach mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah like everyone has a different situation and uh different let's say uh like a different uh, outlook or uh, like a view about these things uh, in terms of what is actually going on in the body and yeah. uh, you just have to yeah like like although some of maybe maybe some of the approaches or the solutions would be similar uh, you know between people but it's never exactly the same so mm. yeah that's true yeah um but yeah let's it's been great talking with you and let's uh, start wrapping this up as well and so you created uh, the course with the biohacker center uh for women can you maybe talk a little bit about more of that yeah it's a it's an online course which is actually right now running uh and we've divided into different sections we have sleep we have nutrition we have exercise recovery work brain and then we also have a section for beauty because we find that's something that uh, the 
biohacking book nor the course is really covering. And that's something of, of course women are really interested in and also in terms of longevity. Like we live longer, we also want to look good, we have want to keep our hair <laughs> and and all that. So then we wanted to dive into that, like how is your skin really working and how is your hair really working and how can you support that and make yourself feel like also good and and, and look good and vibrant because that's that's a big part of our lives nowadays too that we have this extra time and energy so we can we can pay attention to that sort of things too hmm. and yeah so yeah it, it's a seven week program uh divided into different sections and we dive pretty deep into these topics and there is like video material there's articles there's um, I think everyone doesn't have to go through all the material and you can also go through like half of the material now and then later on come back to it or then just choose a topic that you're really interested in and just dig into that and so yeah it's been really fun creating that because I felt like that was some, something that was missing from the book and something that we wanted to incorporate and also make biohacking more attractive for women because women don't really go for the gadgets and the measuring stuff and all the cool tech. So we also have yoga videos there and, and more like softer, gentle ways of biohacking. Mm, that sounds uh, interesting. And I would imagine that a lot of women are interested in that. Yeah, I mean, we're still looking for like feedback, but the feedback we've gotten so far has been really positive. And, and yeah, we've had a couple of like live Zooms also with the women, so it's been fun. That's good. Um, yeah. Uh, so my before I ask my last question, uh, where can people learn more about you and your work? Ah, uh, they can go to my website. I have a website on my name, uh, sandraporthan.com. and and also like yeah, you can check our website for biohackingforwomen.com too. Some information in there too. That's good. We're going to put all the links in the show notes. And uh, my last question is, uh, what's this one piece of, of advice or a habit that you wish you adopted sooner? Oh, my goodness. Probably meditation. I would go with meditation. That has been such a crucial part of my daily practice. And that has been something that's calmed my nervous system a lot. So, yeah, I would go with meditation. Well, a lot of people have answered that. So it's a popular answer. <laughs> Oh yeah, what was the most surprising answer you've gotten so far? Uh, I, I, I think I don't remember off the top of my head at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know, like a lot of people answer like sleep and meditation, those, those are one of the most popular ones. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basic and so important. Yeah, it's uh, very effective. Like it's gonna, I think it's like a meta skill that uh, improves every other thing that you do every other yeah. activity and every other skill because it kind of increases your uh, self-awareness and uh, self-control yeah definitely yeah that's so true well it's been uh, great talking with you and uh, yeah looking forward to your future work <laughs> or maybe like another future course oh yeah looking yeah let's see what happens hopefully we can create something awesome in the future too awesome well i'll see you around yeah thank you Alright, that's it for this episode. If you want to support us, then leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. You can also share it with a friend. 
If you want to learn more about the topics that we discussed in this episode, then check out my new book, Stronger by Stress. But on that, thanks for listening to this episode. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.